0: Welcome back to another episode of the Tourism Geographies Podcast brought to you by the Journal Tourism Geographies. We hope that you've been keeping well since the last episode and looking forward to learning more about cutting edge research in tourism and geographies published in the journal Tourism Geographies. Now, let's get in into this week's episode. Okay, hello and welcome to the Tourism Geographies Podcast. My name is Joseph Cheer, I'm a producer on the Tourism Geographies Podcast and editor of the journal Tourism Geographies. Today we have another interesting podcast for you, so thank you for joining us um, in season two of the Tourism Geographies podcast. Today's guests on the show will be Marty Rolofsson uh, and Claudio Minka. Um, and we will be drawing from a paper they published in 2019 that is still very much relevant today. Uh, Becoming Airbnbings on Datification and the Quantified Self in Tourism. This is currently available on the Tourism Geographies website, if you haven't already read it. To begin with, let me introduce our guest. Claudio Minka is a Professor of Geography at the University of Bologna. Uh, His research has focused on the geographies of tourism and travel and on the spatial theories of modernity. Recently, he has been working on camp and refugee geographies with a particular focus on the archipelago of refugee camps in the Balkan region. He has presently been awarded a European Research Council advanced grant entitled The Game, Countermapping informal refugee mobilities along the Balkan route. Our second speaker, and they're actually in the same room today. Uh, Marty Rolofsen is a postdoctoral researcher in the cultural geography group at Wageningen University in the Netherlands. Marty's research has focused on digital transformations within the realm of tourism, urban space and geography education. Empirically, she has engaged in a long-term ethnographic project on Airbnb and its transformation of everyday life and housing in European cities. Her current postdoctoral project focuses on the gendered, racialized, and class divisions of hospitality work in households that have started to earn income through short-term rental platforms. With that said, hello, Martia and Claudio.
1: Hi, Joseph. How are you? Thank you for the invitation.
0: Thank, hey,
2: Joseph. Thank for- uh, yeah, thanks uh, for having advice. us here.
0: Yes, thank Great you both pleasure. for joining me. It's, as as we speak, it's about just after 8 a.m. in the morning um, <laughs> in and So uh, uh, thank you for uh, get, getting yourself out of bed very early today. So this this um, paper, Becoming Airbnbings on Datification and the Quantified Self in Tourism, is ever more relevant because from any listeners out there who have a keen eye on the goings on with Airbnb, you will see that... Um, Brian Chesky, the CEO of Airbnb, has been in the news recently talking about the troubles of Airbnb and the fact that it grew too fast and wasn't able to do things as well as it did. And in many respects, this is what this paper touches on. One of the key things that this paper touches on, uh, and I thought I would start with this uh, at the beginning. In the paper, Claudio and Marcia say this. Imagine a world where almost everyone behaves or tries to behave in line with the deeper logic of a series of algorithms. Imagine one day when all homes are part of the Airbnb sharing economy and all residents ranked as hosts. In such a world, every single space of your home would be incorporated in some form by algorithms, translating individual experiences of your most intimate spatialities into globally advertised hierarchies. In such a world, again, the homes next to yours would be constantly visited by strangers selected by Airbnb. A frightening thought, I'm sure you, you might agree. So so with that said, Marti and Claudio, I, I have a number of questions uh, to pose at you. So um, uh, if you don't mind, I will start with the first question. What inspired you both to do research on this topic In, insofar as the question especially, what is an airbnb
1: Right. So... Our inspiration comes uh, or came from the Netflix series Black Mirror, which is a production that's been running now for more than a decade. Uh, And it falls under the genre of uh, speculative fiction. Each episode uh, in this series paints a picture of a certain dystopic future, often caused by technology that we already engage in. And we were drawn to an episode called Nosedive, which takes the implications of reviewing and rating systems to the extreme. And the episode opens, for for anyone who's seen it, uh, with a scene of a woman called Lacey who practices how to smile and to laugh optimally in her bathroom mirror. And and she does this to improve how she's being assessed by her peers. And Lacey, the, the protagonist, lives in a society where practically everyone... And every aspect of daily life, including these emotional expressions, is is rated by, by others. And these ratings then determine who have access to certain spaces or modes of transport, and also who is allowed to participate in certain activities such as leisure and tourism. And these ratings that people receive are based on numbers, on quantities, on a scale of zero to five. So, Lacey comes to understand herself and her performance according to this distilled set of numbers, a metrics, an abstraction, a quantified self. And Claudio and I saw interesting parallels with reviews and rating systems that are currently operated across a range of tourism related apps or software, and how these systems come to have really significant effects on how people see themselves in relation to others in society, but also how these systems then determine... what are the places or destinations that are worthy of visiting, what forms of hospitality are considered good or bad, And also how uh, overall uh, speaking, these reviews and and rating systems come to have a disciplinary function. So how people are nudged towards specific behavior um, according to a specific set of ideas and norms or rules. So a general assumption, uh, an assumption that, that kind of says that if you want to receive and maintain a good rating, this is what you must do. But we were also inspired by the social credit system to which this episode of Black Mirror is often likened, which is a very plural credit scoring system that keeps track of people's trustworthiness, but also of of businesses and government institutions. And this credit system can eventually lead people to be put on a blacklist that prevents them from getting a loan or from boarding an airplane. And to be sure, similar credit (laughs) systems are implemented across the globe. And pertain really to a whole range of aspects, such as being able to take out car insurance based on whether or not you've been involved in an accident, for example. And we wanted to find out how this culture of reviewing or rating or scoring applied to the U.S.-based hospitality and short-term rental company, Airbnb. So we wanted to understand the broader ideas that belie certain aspects that people are rated and reviewed on, such as the quality of their hospitality and the cleanliness of their homes. And also what are the limitations and flaws of such reviewing and rating culture?
0: Thank you, Marja. How, how fantastic to be able to get inspiration from a, 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 Net, a, a Netflix, Netflix show. There's, it just shows that for us as researchers, the work never ends, right? We find inspiration where we can where we can find it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and it's particularly interesting in light of what we see in the media, you know, over the last couple of days here, how um, Airbnb uh, is being criticised for for how its AI tool uh, is evidently uh, implicated in um, racially profiling a uh, guest for for their hosts. So. Excellent, thanks for that very um, detailed background. Uh, And for researchers listening who might not be so experienced in in tourism research, it gives you an idea that um, the crossover between your leisure time and your research time, the lines are blurred. (laughs) So with that said, the next question, if I may, um, uh, to both of you, um, and especially for those who are are methodologically inclined, how did you approach this research objective? And uh, what are the kinds of methods you employed
1: So we carried out an in-depth analysis of what we call Airbnb's digital infrastructure. So we explored the various um, mechanisms incorporated by the platform to extract data from its users. And we didn't necessarily limit ourselves to the review and rating system that Airbnb operates, but we also to, tried to find out how these you know, quantified subjects, Airbnbings, are understood through a wide array of data, such as behavioral data, communication data, but also uh, data about their identities. And we were able to do this because we together managed very temporarily uh, an Airbnb listing, a bungalow on a holiday park that was operated by somebody we knew. So we actually had access to the typical data dashboard that Airbnb hosts have. Mm -hmm. And additionally, we carried out interviews with uh, other Airbnb hosts to try and understand how they experienced the practice of being reviewed and rated and the impacts that this has on, on their hosting practices. Then we examined conversations that were taking place in Airbnb host community fora online. And finally, we carried out a qualitative content analysis of Airbnb's website. So it's terms and conditions, but also blogs written by Airbnb employees to understand what is exactly being reviewed and rated and what kind of data does the platform ask from its users? What are Airbnb users asked to provide in mm-hmm. terms of data? How is that data used? For what purposes? So it was really uh, a, a big scope of met- methods that we, we used to understand
0: this. Thank you, Marcia. Were you, were you tempted to um, try taking a deep dive in this and, and being a host yourself?
1: Well, we did. Well, um, I did for about one year, and um, I really came to understand yes, the various mechanisms that are used to uh, collect data on my behavior as a host. Um, also, so that's beyond the reviews and rating that my guests provided me with. Is um, I came to understand how these data are then used to kind of self discipline me um uh, in into improving my practices uh, across a range of factors, including cleanliness, um hospitality, but also the location of of my listing, which I could do very little about., uh, but definitely, I got a, a firsthand in-depth in understanding of of how this operates. Yes,
0: ah, oh, fantastic. That's great, Mara. Okay. so, now if we if we jump to what what your main findings were um, and the question of how the review and rating system affects airbnb users. Yes so in our paper
1: we we, first of all, provide this very in-depth analysis of all the categories of data that together constitute this Airbnb subject and Airbnb being. Um, so we show how this Airbnb dashboard incorporates, incorporates all this data and how that data really works to self-discipline hosts involved in this economy. And we also show how the platform is deliberately vague about how reviews and ratings inform how an Airbnb listing or someone's home is ranked uh, in the search results. Although it's clear that the reviews and ratings have a significant influence on how visible this home or host is. So it's visible, but vague at the same time. Mm -hmm. Um, And secondly, our results also show that hosts generally consider that the review and rating system is flawed. So it really depersonalizes the activities and the circumstances of hosts and and leaves very little room for hosts to contest what they think is a very unfair assessment of their performance. Mm -hmm. So what hosts were saying was that although these numbers are, are meant to convey a guest's opinion according to some kind of objective standards... Guests were also sometimes biased, as you mentioned earlier. Uh, sometimes these op- these systems operate on, on biased understandings of things, racist, sexist, Biases towards towards people, but our guests were also uh, hosts were saying that there was really a conflicting understanding between them and the guests about what good quality really was. So, hosts would receive low ratings for things that they had very little control over, like the location of their homes, or they would be punished for a low rating for not providing the guests with something that they thought was very unrealistic, like an extremely late check in time. Mm-hmm. But Yeah, so another finding was that hosts didn't really contest the entire necessity of reviews and ratings, so they were not averse to being reviewed or rated. They couldn't imagine a world where reviews and ratings wouldn't exist. In fact, many hosts complained that they would have liked to have more reviews and ratings um, and especially more personal information on their potential hosts. And uh, well, a final finding was that hosts expressed that they actively worked to improve their reviews and ratings by making adaptations to their hosting practices and their homes. And they also admitted that they were never quite honest with their own assessment of guests. So if a guest would perform adequately or just okay, they would still give them good feedback, also in fear of retaliation by the guest and the guest's rating. So that was broadly speaking what we found.
0: Thank you for that. In, in many ways, and, and I don't just say this because I'm interviewing you, in many ways, what you what you presented here um, uh, several years ago was quite prescient because what we see happening today is Airbnb examining these things about themselves and trying to make these things, uh, trying to improve on these, these issues that, that you've raised. And it makes me think that whoever's listening to this podcast, presumably you might be doing research on Airbnb, uh, and the future of airbnb i would say that this paper by martia and claudio is quite seminal in terms of the way it foreshadows uh, what's happening today with airbnb so big pat on the back for both of you
1: thanks joseph <laughs> <laughs> thanks
0: yeah n- now to you claudio um as yep. uh, following those findings what's your take on all of this
2: Well, I'd like to say just a few things about the ways in which we wanted to um, close the paper uh, with a couple of theoretical propositions or even provocations and focusing on this idea of the quantified self. Now, the quantified self is, of course, a figure of speech, but at the same time, it's uh, the ways in which we try to frame these uh, presumed subjectivities, individual and collective subjectivities, that are mapped out through these processes just described by by uh, by Marge, mm-hmm. where the possibility for quantifying all aspects of life and um, uh, t- translating them, uh, converting them into a space. Uh, Uh, dominated by a specific calculative rationality, this very possibility is taken for granted and it's at the core of the functioning of of some of these uh, mechanisms and the platforms related to that. There's one important element of self-disciplining in the process as uh, uh, noted by March uh, uh, before. Uh, So the idea is that basically uh, you, you imagine that this kind of social relationships Uh, animated and stimulated by uh, this uh, world of leisure and hospitality uh, can produce a sort of a a parallel space that is actually uh, quantifiable and Mm -hmm. and calculative and and this is an important element that this brings an important element of social regulation because Mm -hmm. understanding uh, or believing that this uh, uh, quantifiable world is actually saying something about the guest and host allows actually a politics of control a possibility of mapping out that kind of uh, uh, imagined world uh, to predict behavior and in many ways it's also a prescriptive tool it's mm-hmm. the ways in which you induce and nudge specific behaviors according to the rules not of life out there, but according to the rules of the um, of the uh, quantified spaces that are produced so, so far. Um, so we conclude with a with a, a couple of provocations that, if you don't mind, I'd like just to bring back again. You know, you start with this idea of a dystopian future in in which uh, you know everything is somehow incorporated. Uh, as, as as a space of the uh, platform. So so this kind of uh, calculative rationalities would colonize every every mm. single uh, social relationship. And then uh, this will actually show, and of course, this is a provocation, but theoretically, this is a way to show that if there's nothing out there to be colonized and incorporated into this uh, translation and, and quantification, then it will be end game, right? Mm. So mm. it seems like the, these platforms operate and we we use the term uh, uh, as biopolitical machinery as mm-hmm. machinery that need to have constantly need to have a, an alter space, uh, a space of life that is not quantified yet to be incorporated into their own into their own uh, processes. Mm-hmm. And, and this is a very powerful uh, uh, set of processes. And this is why in many ways the final provocation is about, this idea of a biopolitical political machine that is spinning around an empty core why an empty core because in the end in that quantified space there's not community there's no life there's no social relationship but there are just specific representations of those things mm-hmm. and and a good example of that and i conclude here is uh, this uh, this uh, um um, again, another figure, maybe a rhetorical figure, but a very, a very powerful one of the superhost, which we dedicated some work in the past. And the superhost host is this ideal member of this uh, uh, quantified, uh, quantifiable community, and in many ways is the most desirable condition of quantified uh, self. Uh, the interesting thing is that uh, people. Can never stay in that condition of a super host, right a super host is the best the people with the best ranks and the best ratings so after all this idea of uh, reaching out the best of your behavior as a social regulation is a, is, a, is a mobile threshold right is an horizon towards which all the people incorporated into this uh, space um, of the platform uh, tends to be uh, stimulated but it can never it can never be reached because if everybody would become a superhost one day then there would be no uh, uh no superhost anymore so the the point here is that uh, we we're looking at the process of uh, production reproduction or quantifiable meaning that actually have this capacity to incorporate the aspects of life that has indeed uh, a powerful impact on people who are involved, and especially on the intimate spaces of those of those members of a presumed community Mm -hmm. of Airbnb in this case about other platforms as well
0: Mm. Oh, that's that's so very interesting claudio and i know for anyone listening the 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 theoretical concept um of the quantified self i think offers great possibilities in, in 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 the way uh contemporary tourism is unfolding now i know i i haven't um given you this question in advance but it, what you said Claudio strikes me as, as thinking to myself you know so what what do you both see as the short-term future of Airbnb
2: oh that's a that's a that's a big question what the, the thing is that um I, I, I cannot predict what will happen of course I don't think anybody can at this stage we're also in a situation where you know global trouble is is constantly changing and the post covid uh, landscapes are still to be determined in many ways but my sense is that um the, the risk of uh of uh, um okay th- there is a risk in the in the deeper rhetoric that's been used in order to justify and uh, present uh, some of these opportunity of leisure uh, let me give you one brief example. The idea that there's a community to be discovered and to be uh, enjoyed by the by the people who actually uh, travel through these um, uh, platforms mm-hmm. or there is actually an intimate life to be uh, um, again incorporated into your experience or troubles. And then what you, what happens is most cases you go uh, uh, and and visit one city and then you find an empty apartment, right? And I think this these empty apartments, Indeed, they are highly symbolic of how the how the platform is actually producing metaphors that become, uh, in many ways, empty. Right. So the mm-hmm. idea is that you become part of a community. There's no more because, as we know, there's lots of research on that. Mm-hmm. Airbnb has been uh, part of this uh, 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 change in in the urban setting, with when many residents being fundamentally uh, kicked out of specific areas. So, so the community that we should aim at and the most desirable. Lifestyle that should be part of the uh, promised experience of troubles mm. tend to be destroyed by by the platform in itself, right? So there is a self-destructing mechanism there that I think it's really worth uh, considering also in terms of uh, um, the future of these um, platforms. So I don't have a clear answer about what, uh, uh-huh. what could happen, but it's clear to me that uh, probably they will have to reinvent uh, uh, some of these uh, uh, rules of the game in order to survive, because it's a very possibility, it's a very possibility that, that some of those communities that are promised will simply be no more mm-hmm. there.
0: It, it almost makes me think, Claudia, of the um, you know in marketing, the product life cycle. It seems like Airbnb has got to the very top of the cycle and it will either now have the opportunity to reinvent itself or decline and disappear altogether. Marcia, did you want to? Have a, have a crack at that as well?
1: Yeah, sure. Well, and like Claudio, I cannot predict any future, but I, I'd like to stick to this quantified self uh, idea and, and think about where that might be heading. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in many ways, these reviews and ratings reproduce conditions that, that are already there, and they are literally reproducing a ranking and um, a reconfirmation of um, mm-hmm. people's statuses that that they have reached so in 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 very practical terms uh, how much validity can we give these metrics if they if they are continuously um reproducing themselves and i i'd like to give an example of that those who have been reviewed and rated very well tend to be booked more often because they appear in the higher ranks right um whereas People with similar qualities or even better qualities that have never been booked or reviewed and ratings remain kind of obscured at the bottom of the list. Um, How often do we uh, scroll through several pages to find uh, there is a booking or a listing or whatever we're trying uh, Mm. to consume? Or do we stop at the first page? So uh, in that sense, I really question the future of reviews and ratings. Um, and, and perhaps the platform and other platforms will kind of transform in, into other means of assessment that are perhaps more realistic uh, and less determined by this very limited a uh, category of zero to five. I mean, what, what is a five? What is a four? How do we determine what quality really is in that sense? Claudia would also like to say something more, I think.
2: Please go ahead. Yeah, jo- Joseph, I just want to add one thing. Part of uh, our considerations uh, uh, around this idea of social regulations, mm-hmm. um, uh, they have to do, especially after, you know, COVID and the pandemic, um, with the with the question of profiling, which is a more general question about the, the about mobility or mobility justice or injustice mm-hmm. and has to do with the um, the, the, the real possibility of, of troubling for different subjects. And I've, what I have in mind is uh, you know another form of quantified self which is the, the so-called trusted uh, troubler right? So which is again another you know by political rise of the idea that you can imagine somewhere, uh, a subject that that, that corresponds to uh, uh, the perfect profiling, right? Biologically healthy and politically safe and 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 and, and, and trustworthy. So so parts of this mechanism they do actually have a, a wider reach in terms of uh, uh, if you like social and political implication that we should really look at. Mm. That's uh, that's uh, what I wanted to add.
0: With that said, and I, and I know for you in, in in the Netherlands, it's the beginning of your day for me in Australia. It's the end of my day, so i I, I don't want to keep you any further. Suffice to say, i wanted to I wanted to um, one of the most powerful sentences at the end of your at the end of your um, uh, paper uh, goes like this: As we have learned from the history of all biopolitical regimes, the principle of endless improvement does not produce a perfect or perfected society because the workings of biopolitics is based on movement and ever-changing thresholds of inclusion and exclusion. And you say this is fundamentally why the Airbnb platform is a biopolitical machinery spinning around an empty core. There is no point of arrival, no community to be realized, no perfect guest or host, since its only possible objective in the end is to reproduce its capitalist self. And I have to say, if it's not on the the top of the the to-read list of uh, Airbnb's CEO, Brian Chesky, it should be, because only the other day he said this, uh, in response to criticism, I think the reputation of our service will probably take another year to improve after that. He then goes on to say that we can't improve our reputation until we've solved the various issues. Probably May of 2025 is his prediction. So in asking you, about the, in asking you to predict Airbnb I was trying to elicit mm. uh, um, your view as, a, as an analyst uh, as compared to what the CEO of Airbnb says and I think you're in alignment. I think um, if he's listening, Mr. Chesky, if you're listening, have a read of this paper, have a listen to this podcast, and I suggest <laughs> Martia and Claudia would have some really interesting things to, uh, to to say in regards to improving Airbnb's reputation. So, with that said, Claudio and Martia, do you have any final remarks before we say farewell?
1: Well, I want to thank you for this opportunity. That was really generous, Joseph.
2: Yeah, same here. Thanks so much for that. Yeah.
1: Well, th-
0: thank you both. Uh, for listeners on the podcast, um, please thank Marty and Claudio with your silent applause. The paper is available uh, on, on the uh, Tourism Geographies website. Um, it was published in 2021 in volume, uh, let me just see, I should know this, uh, issue 4, volume 23, 2021. And it's open access, so you don't need to go, jump over a paywall to get it. So with that said... Thank you, Martia. Thank you, Claudio, for taking the time. Um, I do appreciate that, and I hope listeners appreciate everything you've had to uh, um, uh, divulge about your work. And we look forward to the the next instalment of The Quantified (laughs) Self. Thanks, Joseph. Thanks a lot, and thank you for joining us on today's um, episode of the Tourism Geographies podcast. Thank you.
1: Thanks, Joseph.
0: Thank you for joining us on today's episode of the Tourism Geographies podcast. We look forward to bringing you more next week. Please join us then.